Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. An official broadcast partner of the University of Louisville, WLCL Sellersburg is 93.9 The Ville. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis. Dave Skull, we're here on a Wednesday. If you are wondering about uh, the baseball game, it was moved up. It is gone going right now on our partners there on 970. I know that Louisville's already had back-to-back home runs in that one and has themselves a little bit of a lead. Dave, it's oh, yeah. good for you to just sniff right into that microphone yep, and announce I your had presence. A, That's good. I, I wanted to make sure Welcome. people didn't forget about me. All right, so here I am. It's like snorting. I'm here too. I had my finger on the cough button for a while. Just be there. happy I'm not eating. That's right. I was eating before the before we got on air. So you know, just be well, like that, I'm not I mean, eating and chewing in. We all are. We all are eating before right before That's we right. got on air. That's like how it works. And Hopefully every time free food. between all the time. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. No, I didn't get my free food today. I had to go pay for it. It's just an abomination. Like a peasant. Unreal. I mean, I could be doing anything else today. This is why I'm in radio. I don't get paid that much. You know, you better pay me in free food. Oh, it's one of the it's one of the <laughs> one of the few undeniable consistent perks of our job is uh, that we get we at least get lunch. Usually. We get yeah. that. Typically, yeah. If we're here, we can get lunch. Yeah, so and it's uh, it's always great when there's you know a popular lunch option, and there was a full house of producers and hosts and everything in here. And if they drop the food off at eleven forty-five, it is twelve oh three. You are late. <laughs> I was you- lucky enough to get pepperoni pizza today. There was pizza. See, like I came in today, yeah, and there's just nothing. Pie. Wednesday is matzo pie day. Yeah, I thought it was last week. I didn't really get a chance to eat it last week. It's so good. Because of these animals here, you know? Not yeah, you, Avery. I'm lucky if Not I you. You're not an animal. All the I other mean, people here. I turn into a feral cat on the days I can eat. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I can't eat. She's, like, she's like, actually, Dave, I am an animal. <laughs> Stop treating me with kid gloves. I will kill people for pizza. Um, Probably. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I didn't get the matzo pie today. Sounds lovely. I'm sure someday I'll it get to try it. It is delicious. It really <laughs> it is. is. I've had it before. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Dave, how would you feel if I told you, and this is not sarcasm, because I have not 
Like, I have not believed at all that it's like we should be mocking L basketball, the men's basketball team, as it goes. Like, I, you don't have to like it. You can even be mad about it. But I've not enjoyed anybody kind of mocking it. So I hope you understand when I tell you this, this is not mocking. You know Bart Torvik's uh, website? It's one of those advanced stats websites, but it's, it's really customizable. Like, you can kind of tell it to rank teams certain ways. Hmm. Uh, give it either like it's it's normal kind of but overall like criteria. And, uh, you well, know. that would be fascinating. Yeah, uh, that's how do you measure yourself against other yeah. players by height? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> one of the things it'll let you do is instead of saying, you know, like Ken Palm is your rankings based on the whole year, uh-huh. who you've played, kind of. So there's a relative element to it, but it's it's your it's the whole season at any one time. One of the cool things you can do on, on like Torvik's website is to cut it. You can cut down the time that you want sure, to. Sure, like trends, it. basically. You know, like yeah. Go over the last five and games, so, last ten games, or whatever. What, what's your reaction were I to tell you, and I am about to engage in the very thing I'm not, that Uh-oh. I'm proposing as a uh, hypothetical. I'm about to tell you, and I'm asking you what you're going to say when I tell you this. If I told you that just for the games in February, Louisville's two and five, so it's not like they've been on fire. No. But it's been one of the better months. Yes. Two and five in February, but if you just rank them by what they've done in February, they're 80th nationwide mm. in in offense. Okay, and a 181 square in the middle in how they're playing just in February using Torvik's uh, Torvik's Bar Torvik's uh, measurements there. One, what's your just your, your gut level reaction to that? And two, does the fact that it took me this long to kind of set it up, does it kind of ruin any yes. kind of encouraging <laughs> element to it or not? Okay. Like you really like you were building it up to the point where I was I was I almost know. I was Get almost expecting it. you to be like they are forty fifth overall <laughs> somehow and you're like, Oh, well No, it's it's um Speaks to a few things. Like one, like it's it's about right because we're not world we're not they're not world beaters this month. I mean but you can tell there is a certain level of competitiveness that there wasn't before for the most part um but again like 181 is nothing to to be like super proud about but we're talking about a team that's was in the 350s 360s and in some uh in like the sag (laughs) you know or ken palm earlier this year so there is progress you can see progress it's probably not enough progress to make most people happy but like if you're looking for reasons to sort of um have some kind of optimism for next year you can look at, at at an improvement of the players on the court and then say well if we have the nil we hit the we hit the portal hard get four like three or four real difference makers like maybe they've got something next year maybe yeah I, i've been kind of trying to bounce it around inside my own head here a little bit uh the how hard it is to to get anyone, well, first of all, to ever change their mind about about anything—that's the—that's the rub, isn't it, Mark? Like, <laughs> right. The big picture—that's what we're dealing with here—is let's solve human nature, Dave. Uh, it's hard to get people to change their minds, <laughs> right. you know, about what what they've seen uh, this year, especially once you have sort of decided that you don't like something and don't don't want it anymore. But uh, for as often as we have sort of barked out and said that one of the biggest condemnations of Kenny is the fact that this team has not improved in almost any category from the beginning of the year. That's just, it's not true anymore. It's not true. Yeah. Which is nice to be able to say, 
we we can drop this discussion of they have not improved anything. They have, in fact, saying that like in February that they're eightieth in offensive efficiency in the last seven games or so. I think subjectively, like when I watch them, I definitely feel a lot more confidence that they're they're gonna score, that they have uh, a an identity and a like a, a an offensive flow, you know, that they have a th- goals that they're going for. They have a strategy, and it sounds ridiculous to be like, well, now I can see that they're trying to do something on purpose, but it didn't always feel that way. And now it does. It's not ridiculous when we think about the conversations we had. This is this is what people have to understand. Like, before you get your knives out, you know, and you and you and you prepare for a street fight. Like, you're saying this and that. Like, we're not saying anything. We're saying that. I was pretty clear a couple of weeks ago that that one of the big reasons why I'm I, I I said there was no like that I wasn't in the Kenny Payne camp. You know, and not saying like I'm not against Kenny Payne, but saying like if you asked me if I was. If I thought he was the guy for the job, I was like, man, I don't have any indications for that. You know, like, and he's got to show me something. I really like him and I hope he is. But at this point, I just don't see it. One of my biggest things was they haven't shown consistent improvement in anything over the season. And, and we both agreed on that. And was the biggest reason for us to be skeptical of the Kenny Payne era and that he would ever get it right. Now, that is not to say that, oh, well, he, it's for sure it's going to happen now but you're a, you're a clown if you look at this and you don't like i would be a clown i would be biased and i would be um, just looking for you know for confirmation by essentially if, if i if i ignored things like this you know if if i ignored evidence and if you're also somebody who's skeptical of kenny Payne and you look at this and you're like no it, it's not enough or it's not this that like you're right it's not enough but it is an indication of improvement like you have to it's not nothing you know, like it's not, is it, is it anything earth shattering? No, but it's not nothing. And we can accept it for what it is and take it for what it is. And me personally, my position has always been, you know, since the early season when it's clear that this was going to be a bad year and, and I had to, to sort of evaluate it differently. And I'm looking at it going, even from the beginning when I said, man, I just don't see it right now. And I'm really worried about Kenny as a head coach. And, and I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I was always, I'm always looking for reasons to believe, not reasons to like just further just get angry. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I, I'm not sure he's the guy, but I'm looking for reasons to believe, you know, because I know he's going to be the coach next year and I'm hoping it works out. So I, I, I'll look for indications and I'll try to be objective and look at the things that, that they have improved and say, well, this isn't nothing. Like, we've done. They're much better offensively than they were even a month ago. Um, they've made some progress. I can see it individually and as a unit. You know, L. Ellis looks like he has a little more confidence in his teammates. He's got a, a little. He's edited his game a little bit over the last month. Um, he's not always you know going 100 miles per hour to the basket, uh, but he under, he kind of feels like he understands more when he needs to take over a game like that. Um, so yeah, you know, from the point a few weeks ago or a month ago where we were saying, dude, there's nothing that they've improved. And every time I feel like we get any progress, it just all falls apart. It's a little different now. And there's some, some solid, there's some concrete numbers to tell you otherwise. I felt like uh, in having a little bit of the discussion with Luke uh, yesterday, that there wasn't a lot of disappointment from folks uh, about the Duke game and kind of like the way that it went. I didn't feel like I heard a lot from folks who were just angry 
uh, about that one, even though they lost by 17 uh, and, and it wasn't that close or excuse me, it felt like it was a little closer than that. Uh, and Duke was able to sort of balloon it at the kind of the very last minute. Well, they ended on a 7-0 run right in the last like two minutes. But I really felt like, and we have a texture that says, I feel like when I watch them, I at least know what they're doing wrong uh, now it will, versus I don't even know what they're trying to do earlier. Like the, th- these things are progress. They are movement. They are improvement uh, to the point that, again, in February, Louisville's one of the t- in the top 25% or so in the country offensively, and they've done it regardless of opponent. You know, they did it against Miami, they did it against Clemson, they did it against Virginia, they did it against Duke. Like, they've, they've, moved, they've moved the ball. I think they've played more selflessly and sort of more uh, aware of one another and sort of what they're all trying to do and what they're all supposed to be doing. I'm seeing a little more talking. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Like, do you th- are we going to get to a point at all this year where people can maybe, and should they? Maybe we'll start with should. Should we just move on from like the first six weeks of the season? Like, because they don't, like, that was awful and everyone knows it. But it's not who they are now. And I don't think that they even closely resemble that team from earlier in the year, with the exception of one thing. And I want to get to that in a minute. Do you think we should just sort of be able to, to mentally put that out of our brains? Or, or do we got to know we got to face that too? I think you take it as a whole, especially at the end of the year. But I mean, if you're. I think it doesn't serve anybody to look at it and just say this is the same team as November or December because it's not, you know. I think that Kenny Payne, like there's a 99% chance he's our coach next year, and I think the people, the, the sooner it's healthier for people if they just they try to look at this analytically instead of emotionally. And like you're absolutely nothing is good enough, and we already have textures saying, look, a little bit of improvement isn't good enough. Look, we're not saying that it's good. Like this isn't the final product. Right. We're not saying this is as good as it was going to be. <laughs> like, and- we're not satisfied with 80th in offense and 181st overall. We're just saying that objectively, if you look at it, it's progress. You know, is it enough progress? Is it what we wanted preseason? No, but we we started so low, and that's fair. And it was so bad for the first two months of the season, really that any progress is progress and it doesn't take that much to be progress but it's still better than it was (laughs) and that's not nothing you don't want to take it as too much you know you don't want to go overboard with it but it's not nothing um and it's something maybe to build on with the guys that you are bringing back whoever they might be uh and something to possibly sell some kind of vision to people in the portal you know, the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because like, the one place where I feel like they have not improved really at all is on the defensive side of the ball. It's and, tough. And, and we have, you know, the, the turnovers, the live ball turnovers in which Louisville still ranks 359th, <sighs> not non-steal turnovers committed. You know, I uh, have been, you know, writing about Mississippi State. I've been watching them under a first-year head coach. Comes into a situation with kind of a middling roster, just like Louisville did. He did a way better job in the portal. But also brought in kind of a, a mindset. And obviously, he's a little bit more experienced coach, uh, Chris Jans is. And he both as an assistant and as a head coach himself in Mexico State before that. But, like, they – every time I watch them play – I think to myself, like, that's, that is exactly what I thought Louisville was going to be this year. They 
might as well shoot the ball from three out of like a t-shirt cannon. They, they, <laughs> Dave, they cannot shoot threes. And in every single one of them, like you know what it looks like when a guy shoots the ball, yeah. and you're like, he thinks that's going in. It's never a guarantee that it's going in, but you know what it looks like when a young man or a young lady shoots the ball, and you're like, she thinks that's going uh, in. A handstand up there, you know. Yes, and, and the, you know what it looks like it. when somebody shoots the ball, and they're like, it's the right thing for me to do in this situation to try this shot. But I'm not happy about it. Yes, but, <laughs> but they're like, you know, you can yeah. just sort of wah, you know, that thing that you do when you're trying to will something into wherever you tried to throw it or whatever. Like, they look like that. But, Dave, they are lengthy, can't shoot at all, and they defend like, like they have a pacemaker and it will turn off if they go below a certain speed. You know what I mean? Like, the, right. they are just relentless and I, for as much as I want to call imp- uh, attention to the fact that they're a lot better offensively than they were at the beginning of the year. In fact, I think, say in, in February, they've been good offensively. Good. They stink on defense. And that really hasn't changed at all this year. There's not been a moment this year where I thought they really defended extremely well. There's been some games where I think the other team helped them a little bit. Uh, yeah. that's. But thing. I don't I, – Dave, I, I – I am perplexed by the fact that that sh- it, defense is, is it's far more about the intangible things than than offense is, and every like an individual deciding I'm going to do my job has a way more likely chance of being effective on defense than if it's like I'm going to do my job on offense. But if somebody else screws it up, you're all screwed. Like they're why aren't they better? How is how has that been? Like that's the part that makes the least amount of sense to me. With just a couple of games left in the regular season, what three? Yeah, they don't defend anybody well. No, it doesn't make sense. Even as they're getting better in other areas, how is that the place? I don't get it. No, it's weird to me. Like, because that was the thing from from the beginning of the year, and this has been a topic of conversation that we thought defense would be. I don't not not a given, but the the thing that we we'd probably see first you know between uh the length and and being able to be a little more aggressive and getting out of the mac line defense and like we could see the vision where it's like all right we, we got a lot of length you know a lot of a lot of tall dudes it's going to be hard to score on this team uh they're going to get aggressive and and maybe get some offense out of defense we didn't see any of that like it's been a mess on the defensive end and it still is and that still remains the most concerning bit of all of it for me is like man even talk about the guy he coached under for a decade Cal Perry even when his teams struggle to come together he usually gets them playing defense early in the season yeah you know and, and that's what I like I kind of expected that to be what Kenny Payne brought to the table early and and still pretty pretty thrown off by that and pretty troubled by that but Overall, like there, there is progress on the offensive end, and that's something to grab a hold of. And a texture said they've improved some. Great. Does that now raise expectations and goals for next season higher than they were like a month ago? Here's the thing: I never changed my expectations for next year, uh, and I think I've been pretty clear about that. Mark and I both said that. Like, just because you win like five games or four games your first year doesn't mean I need to adjust my expectations. Because the team got worse from last year to this year, and like even if I grant you all of the the qualifiers that it was hard to to build the roster and the cloud and the RAP and everything, you don't have that this offseason and the nature of building teams 
in modern college basketball is not a three or four year process. You can get all of the work done you need to get done in the transfer portal in one offseason, and there is no strictures on you this offseason. You've got the NIL. He has to get things done, and it has to be reflected on the court next year. So I don't. I never ex- adjusted my expectations. Like I don't think it's okay to just be like, oh, we'll be all right with a 500 team next year. Like I don't think that's how it is. Yeah, the the, the texture was asking like, great. Uh, if they've improved some, does that change expectations for for next year? Maybe then higher than what we thought a while a month ago. I think Josh Hurd just straight up coming out and being like, we're not trying to be a 500 team. I I I really do think like he did all the fans a world of good with saying that on Friday. And I don't even know if he necessarily meant to say what he said, but he said it. Yeah. And I I truly do think people have been able to kind of put down their their weapons and at least realize like okay, at least the people in charge are saying like we're not trying to aim small here. The expectations are still going to be for very big things like right away. Sure. And I do think that it's there's been less um steam. You know, there's been less like rage from the the usual folks that you know we hear from online or call or text in that sort of, like there does seem to be like a okay there, there's been less antagonism and there's been way less am i crazy you know way less like why are we trying to talk ourselves into this no one's trying to talk anybody into anything now and i think it's helped i think it has too i mean between like the nice like josh Hurt's comments and then the nice celebration and win we had on saturday night you know it was kind of like all right that was a, a nice night to remind everybody what Louisville basketball is and should be. Um, and then, like, preceded by Josh Hurd's comments basically being like, look, this is not okay, nor are we adjusting expectations going forward. Like, Kenny Payne's going to have everything he needs, and uh, the onus is on him, basically, to, to make it work. So it was a nice, I think, one-two punch to sort of allay some fears where it's like, look, either Kenny Payne gets this done next year, and and we look like a an okay basketball team, and, and we've got it going and going in the right direction, or we're going to move on. And I think that's mostly what people wanted to hear, you know, most reasonable Louisville fans. I mean, that's it. Texture says, going from a five-win team to next year, KP will be in prime position to win Coach of the Year if he plays his cards right this offseason. I mean, yeah, I think he's going to get – he'll get a lot of praise if they have anywhere close to – you know, sort of what it sounds like. I think the expectations are uh, because he's going to be the first Louisville coach in six years to go into the off season with nothing hanging anywhere. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. There's nowhere for uh, to to. There are no asterisks. There's no qualifiers. You either get guys and the team gets better, or you don't. But I am still like at the same time. I am troubled by the fact that they don't defend and that not only do they like that not that they don't defend well because I, I don't think they're good offensively but they're a lot better than they used to be they're not a whole lot different on the defensive end and that that's the part that still sits there and is like the bad angel on my shoulder you know like as I sort of talk to myself about like what's the best you know fair objective way to talk about the team and Kenny and and be reasonable and be rational and all of that it is there yeah but they don't defend 
Like that, that person just juts back in there right. and says that, and he is right in pointing that out. And like for me, like when gets if Josh, you know, you sit down at the end of the year and sort of go over things with Kenny, like I would, I would be deeply worried about that part because defense and like the intensity on defense. And I keep using Mississippi State as a foil because it's a first-year head coach. Uh, there's some roster turnover, but not a ton. Uh, and they don't have a lot of skill and are not like a great offensive team at all. But you can tell like they believe in what they're doing, and sometimes their defensive effort is good enough, and sometimes it's not, and that's it. But you can tell like they believe. And it does, like I have that little creeping doubt. Like the fact that they don't defend like at all and are still down in low two hundreds and three hundreds in places and in just about everything defensively, that part does make me worried that like it's not merely a matter of like it's player skill, but like there's still kind of a buy in holdout there. And that worries me this far into the year one. Yeah, well I mean that's that's what I was saying is that regardless of what happens on the offensive end and we become a, a better offensive team, still not great, but better i'm i'm going to remain skeptical until i see this team play defense because you can't they're not going to be a good enough team until they play very good defense and that's that's been a a cornerstone of the great teams at louisville and it's been one of those things that the the level like you could be a bad defensive team how bad they've been has been striking the season and just they they just look uh, constantly lost on that that end and i'm hoping we see something different next year, but that feels like a thing that's just so coach specific that it's going to bother me until I see any kind of improvement. Because I think a good a good coach can turn almost any team into a decent defensive team. You know, like at least if they're going to play defense, like you know what you know about that team is they're going to play defense. We're going to instill a defensive system, and I'm going to be able to drill it into them that they're in the right position. They make their rotations. They play hard. Uh, and we haven't seen that on the defensive end this year, so it's tough. And it's uh, it's definitely the biggest area of concern I've got going forward with Kenny Payne as a coach uh, and this staff. But again, and I urge a lot of people like if you're, like I'm going to tell you how to feel about this because I've been clear about how I feel about this staff to this point uh, and my concerns. But where I'm at as a, as a fan and as in a, whatever a fanalist, you know, whatever wherever we are in this in this <laughs> situation, I've I've said it before. I don't oh, know if other people I've not heard that. I don't know if other people use that term. I'm going to pretend like I made it up, you know. But uh, as a, as as a fanalist, you know, on on sports radio here, like I I will be clear about where I'm at. But I'm also looking for knowing that he's going to be the coach next year. Knowing that for the health of the university financially and everything, it's better that this works out for us. And he's one of our own. I want it to work out for him. I'm looking for reasons. I'm not going to be dishonest about it. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass. Like, I'm never going to do that. But if there are indications or anything positive, I will look for those things. I'll look for reasons to believe, but I'm not going to delude myself. You know, like I, I like these things are that's positive. Like there's certain things over the last stretch, last four games was the toughest stretch of the season, and they acquitted themselves pretty well in that stretch. Um, the bottom line with this team right now, I feel like you want to finish strong with the last three games, and Georgia Tech's obviously very winnable. I think Vautech is winnable at home as the final, as the home finale. Road game of Virginia, 
after the, the, the test we put them through at home, it's going to be a tough ask, I think. But there's not that much work to do in the regular season. We know where the work needs to be done in the offseason. Um, whoever's left, whoever they decide to retain, whoever decides to stay, they need to buy in hard. Uh, and they need to do, more importantly, a lot of work in the transfer portal. But regardless of all that, like the, the things I'm going to look for immediately next season is is really improvement on the defensive end. Like that, that this team won't this this program won't get to where it needs to be. Kenny Payne won't be the coach he needs to be, and this team won't be good enough next year for him to keep his job unless they get better defensively. Yeah, and it's the one that just mystifies me the most because you you quickly mentioned, you know. Everyone, I think, was okay to be skeptical of Kenny, or at least that's something I'm going to pay attention to with Kenny. Is it's not like Cal is uh, considered rightly uh, some sort of X's and O's wizard. It's been far more about kind of the motivation and, in the psych- psychological part and recruiting and that sort. Of, and that's fine. Believe it or not, Coach K had the exact same reputation. People, no one ever considered him a good offensive X's and O's guy at all. He was a great defensive coach and a great motivator and a great recruiter. Mm. Uh, and they won a lot uh, that way. You would have thought when he came here, you would have thought that of all the areas on the team that I'm going to feel, they'll, they'll having been a Cal disciple, they'll at least be good there. It would be on that defensive end. And so I am still kind of worried. I, I guess – I sort of wanted to vent about it because I was looking at, you know, the trending, how they've looked the last month, that sort of thing. There are so many things that are so much better. And I find myself, you know what I find myself saying all the time? If the whole year had been like this, all the, like everyone's tone is completely different. You know, if they're a top offensive team all year, you know, they've got, they're a 10, 11, 12 win team. And we've, we've muscled through a year that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Mark, if we were 181st all season, which again, not great. Not great. Not right. not good. And right. not not what we want. But if that's where they were heading, they would have won most of those out of conference games. You know, the the the, the ones you're supposed to win. They would have won a few more at the bottom of the ACC, and probably would have been like a 12 win team, 12 or 13 win team this year. I think people view Kenny Payne a little differently. If that's the case, it's just it was so bad at the beginning of the year, and it was so, there were still moments that were really bad up through January. You know, they had games where they lost it. And, and the pit game was the most recent that it was just awful from start to finish. Um, hopefully the last three games of the season, they don't have that again. You know, and, and there's just not much to, to talk yourself into at this point. You know, there's been there's been some improvement. The defensive end is still an abomination. Um, you really have to, to capitalize on the portal. And, and I think all the cards are on the table for what Kenny Payne needs to do next year. Worth pointing out, uh, there has been a bill filed uh, in the Kentucky legislature to legalize sports gambling. Okay. And uh, sorry, I got do my, the song I, and dance again. My, I just get like cold chills every time you say there's been a bill filed in the Kentucky legislature. Oh, I like, hear you. There's like, no telling. There right. hasn't been that many good <laughs> ones filed in the last 24 hours. Well, that's true. You're exactly. Yeah, I know. You got to brace yourself, right? This it's could like, be literally uh, anything. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will still I've told you this before but this was forever ago when I was an adult student in my mid to late 20s at U of L as uh, I did an internship in the state house and someone there was a there was a casino gambling bill you know put forth yeah and someone motioned to change every reference in the bill from casinos to dens of iniquity I remember that 
Uh, because that's what we've, we we called Louisville a den yeah. of inequity for years right. because of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's an uphill climb. And the crazy part is, in this case, they have the votes. It's literally just will leadership let it happen. Yeah. It feels to me like a bargaining chip that they simply won't uh, allow. Well, they make they it don't really, want to give it up. They, they make it. We don't want to get too in the weeds with politics, but unfortunately, like the even if there's the votes in the general assembly, uh, within the actual like within the majority Republican majority, they have right. to have. Was they it, won't two, do it They have to have a majority in the mm-hmm. Republican majority. So, in their actually in their caucus, uh, they have to have one before they will. And it's not that's not a state law or anything. That's a party, right? That's a party guideline. Right. Um, so they won't let that go to the floor unless they have the votes inside their caucus. So it's it's an uphill climb, even more so than other states, because of that uh, to get. Any of the, the the fringe stuff, the social issues, the gambling, um, marijuana, anything that that could be a massive revenue stream. I hope we get through that. I hope we do it at some point instead of you all making me go across the river to fund Indiana's schools and streets. <laughs> It'd be nice if I could do that here. It would be nice. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue on for this uh, for this just a little bit more, and then Brian Bennett. Uh, with uh, The Athletic, and of course he used to be beat writer covering Louisville here yes. with The Courier a long time ago. He is going to join us uh, at 3.45 or so, and then Jeff Greer is going to join us at 4.30. Uh, so we'll have a basketball-heavy discussion, but i got a handful of other things that I want to I get, get to. Into I get to talk to Jeff Greer today? Well. well, you do. You oh, do. man. If you want to. I don't know. I'll probably, just, I'll probably just flirt with him over text message while you're on the, on the radio with yeah, him. That's fine. Wouldn't be the first. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break here. We'll be right back on the drive on I the Bell. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. I did want to quickly mention, especially since I've got you here with me, uh, Dave, announced uh, earlier today ESPN... And ABC going to put the uh, the women's national championship game uh, for the NCAA tournament on the women's side going to be on ABC. Nice uh, this year, including an hour uh, pregame show. So there really has been, Dave. I think a little bit more of a an explicit effort made by broadcast partners, but also by conferences. And you know, look in response to some pretty stupid stuff. You know, from a couple of years ago and that sort of thing, but to give the women's NCAA tournament or to recognize that it 
it's worth a lot more attention individualized attention and not just sort of like this is the girl's version of what the men do or like the real thing or you know what i mean yeah, like right. but to treat it like exactly the, the viewership has been crazy for like the big games this year for women's basketball and the ncaa tournament has turned into it has grown into it i, I think people look forward to it kind of objectively and it's kind of cool to, that they're going to get the abc treatment for the championship game now hopefully keep it up yeah i i uh it's it's encouraging for me um you know they deserve it uh, it's a really good product, um, and I uh, look. I, I mean, I think that there's been obviously increased increased interest with the with the ratings the last couple of years, and I'm just I'm happy to see them get a get a bigger stage. I'm always happy for that. Be a big stage on Sunday, by the way, for anybody who's got nothing to do on Sunday, or even if you do, this is probably better. There's a we've got Notre Dame coming into the Yum Center uh, at noon on Sunday. It's always an amazing charged atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, when the Irish or uh, any of our big rivals are in town, uh, it's going to be a massive game with lots of implications for Louisville and Notre Dame. Obviously, we're coming off that that overtime thriller the other night. Uh, it'll be Senior Night or Senior Day, I should say. Uh, for several players, uh, most notably for most probably Mikasa Robinson, <laughs> who has become a massive, um, well, has always been a massive crowd favorite. So hopefully we'll see you there on Sunday. It's going to be a phenomenal crowd. I have a feeling that the upper deck will probably be open. Um, we should get a good, a really good crowd on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. I did not expect to see it, uh, today, Dave. It is, uh, it is a Wednesday, and they they – the place that Mississippi State plays basketball, men and women, is the Humphrey Coliseum. They call it the mm-hmm. Hump. I did not expect to see a beat writer tweet a picture of them having a freaking camel at the arena today. Wait, what? But they do just the just the camel. A uh, camel. It's hump day. They play at the Hump. They've got a camel out there today. That's uh... they don't even have a game today. They just got a camel out. Just there. got a camel. They're just like, hey, come on by, get a camel. Makes you ride. wonder, like, do yeah. they have a camel? <laughs> And they oh, just that, brought it over there. Like, do they have a camel they have on campus somewhere, or do right. they have, do they have a camel on retainer? You know, just like, like whenever they oh, need yeah. it. Like, like it's a contractor. Like it doesn't work for them. <laughs> yeah, like we don't need a full time camel, but, you but we do need a camel available for yeah. us. <laughs> it is one of those things where it's like if if somebody tasked you with like this, like where would you even start finding a camel? I, you know what, I don't have anything. Because I'm sure you can't. Zoos aren't in the in the like business of renting out animals. Not that maybe, I'm aware of. No. But maybe there's like a sub thing where because they do have camel rides at the zoo. I don't know when the last time you've been, but um, they do have camel rides. Um, so maybe like in situations like that, and they do have like a petting zoo area, you know. So maybe animals like that that are used to interaction with the people maybe they have a situation but that seems counter to their mission you know what i mean um so i don't know i I doubt you can contact them but there might be some kind of wild animal wrangler that has a license to to rent out or lease out camels what's the most exotic animal you would rent for like a kid party Uh, give me a full-sized elephant okay (laughs) you didn't even hesitate with that i 
Anybody who knows me knows I love elephants. Well, in, in fact, you were answering so quickly that I thought for sure you were going to ask me like a follow-up question. <laughs> like, like I have, I have tears. Of like animals. I need details. Like, yeah. You, like, what's the party? What's the specific right. situation? That is what I thought you were doing. I'm <laughs> stunned. You were just like, bam, elephant. No, elephant is a is a is it just a one size fits all animal for everything? It sounds weird because it weighs like a million tons, but that's is there's not a party that you can come up with that an elephant wouldn't improve. Okay. Yeah, I, I that's probably where, and they're pretty mellow, you know. And, like they are until they're not. Right, right. But usually you can stay pretty <laughs> like clear. We of say that. they're pretty mellow, and it's like right, just, they're not at all right. Just tear the crap out of your party. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I, it, I am a massive elephant fan. I love elephants. Elephants and gorillas are my favorite animals. That aren't, aren't dogs, you know. Elephants and gorillas. Like if you take me to the zoo, I spend. Like a half hour to an hour at the elephant exhibit, and I'll spend, I could spend all day sitting in Gorilla Forest, you know, and just interacting with people that I, with gorillas that I feel like are probably roughly on my wavelength. (laughs) I feel like they speak to me, man. But yeah. They are pretty majestic creatures. I love elephants and I love gorillas. Like, I mourned forever when Scotty passed away at the zoo. I was very upset. And then, uh, they didn't take my name <laughs> that I suggested for the for for uh, for for Fritz. I I have a Fitzy elephant. Like I had a better name, but we won't go into that. Well, but do you he, want to tell us what it is? I liked Benny. All right, I, I, Benny was a better name, and I had a whole story, and I sent it in, and they didn't like it, so I felt rejected. That's like when I applied for the Ole Miss job and didn't get it. <laughs> like the which Ole Miss job? Like the Ole Miss football job when Matt oh, yeah. Luke, when Matt Luke got it. Yeah, uh, he was when they made their interim yeah. permanent or whatever at the time after Hugh Freeze. I tried. To, I applied for that under for for one reason because they're supposed to send me like an official uh, rejection letter. And I never got it. But uh, joining us now here, uh, <laughs> Brian Bennett, intimately familiar with uh, the the misery and struggles we've had uh, here this year, but also just a college basketball junkie like the rest of us here uh, with the Athletic. And he joins us here. Brian, how's everything going, buddy? You doing all right? Can't complain. We're getting uh, getting close to the best time of year, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I was going to ask you what's like the what's the routine like as you sort of are getting ready for uh, for tournament season. How do things change for you guys there with the athletic as we're getting closer to the postseason here? Yeah, just uh, more writers out on the road. Uh, I'll uh, do the bracketology here, so I'll be doing that uh, daily starting uh, once conference tournaments really kick off into gear. Uh, so that'll be a lot of long nights, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's totally worth it. I can't wait. Have you fully uh, digested the net and, and sort of how it works, maybe how you feel like the committee uses it, and how do you think that the, the whole net versus the RPI thing has gone so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, net isn't perfect. It has some flaws, but it's it's a big, big improvement, I think, over the RPI. And it is, uh, you know, I, I still don't think people totally understand it. It's not like the committee looks at the net ranking itself very much. They just kind of use it to organize the quad system, um, looking at your quad one wins, quad two, and then, and then if you have any losses outside those. Uh, so it really just kind of organizes things for the committee. Uh, more than the actual ranking, but you know it does a pretty good job. I mean, if you look at the top ten teams uh, in the net, for the most part, they're the top ten teams in the country, uh, with a couple of maybe exceptions. And there aren't a whole lot of outliers, as we've seen in years past. We've seen some really, really big outliers, but I think for the most part, it's it's doing a pretty good job. And then it's kind of up to the committee to to look at all the other metrics and schedule strength and, and who you played and who you beat and all that stuff. So uh, I think for the most part, it's fine. 
We've been talking a little bit about the fact that you know Louisville horrific start to this season, historically bad, you know, by just about any measure. But in the last four weeks, five weeks, February certainly seven games or so, it has looked a lot different. And they look, they won a game against Clemson. They've been competitive, you know, against the, mm-hmm. the upper teams in the ACC. I mean, how, I guess, encouraged do you think maybe folks ought to be by the fact that, yeah, it took forever to kind of get here, but you are starting to to at least sort of see some signs of life out of the team this far into the season? Yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. They've shown some fight in certain games, and certainly in the Virginia game uh, in particular, and beating beating Clemson, you know, a team that, that was leading the ACC just a couple of weeks ago. So you like to see that the, that the team hasn't given up. I think that's, that's the big thing is they're still listening to, to Kenny and, and, you know, they're still fighting. Um, still, it's a long way to go before they, they can be anywhere where they need to be. I mean, the ACC is, is pretty weak. I mean, it's just not, not a great league. Um, and there should be more wins, uh, on the, on the sheet than there are for them, uh, at this point. But, uh, you know, this is all going to come down to getting some more players here in the offseason because that's, that's really the big issue. What, since you mentioned, you know, the ACC sort of being down, uh, here, what's your, your read on maybe what the, the causes or cause of, I think, kind of consecutive kind of bad years really in the ACC. Where do you sort of diagnose what needs to change for the ACC to sort of be back where we typically think about it being? Yeah, I think you got to start, you know, some of the, the programs you were counting on to really carry the flag. I mean, North Carolina had a good month and a half last year, but otherwise pretty About mediocre yeah. all, all, all year. Uh, they've been horrible this year compared to expectations really weren't good the previous two years. You know, we got Syracuse obviously has been down for a few years now under Jim Beheim and you figured that was a that's a flagship program. Uh, Duke is not even as strong as Duke normally is. You know, got a first year coach there and of course Louisville uh, we talked about that and you know a team like Georgia Tech which has some tradition is just a total garbage this year and, and Florida State which had been really good there for a while under Leonard Hamilton has, has been terrible now for two years in a row. So you just got a, a lot of programs that are really struggling um, and I think I think one one way to, way to look at this is the SEC has really dominated recruiting here in the last couple of years basketball wise. I think a lot of those players uh, may have, may have been on some ACC rosters, and I think the, the SEC has invested a lot of money and um, its staffs and its recruiting budgets. And the ACC is, you know, they're, they're falling behind in a lot of ways, uh, football and basketball, in terms of money where the, where the SEC and Big Ten are going. So that, that's a, a reason to, to be concerned for sure. Well, since you mentioned, you know, the SEC basketball and investment, I mean, nobody, I think, embodies that more than, than Alabama. Uh, who got mm-hmm. very serious about basketball. And Nate Oates is one of the hot young coaches in the game. And he stepped all the way in it yesterday in a situation that's already terrible. But just sort of what's your, your general kind of sense of, of what is what in the world is happening down there that he would say kind of what he said and so gruffly. I know he tried to walk it back with a statement yeah. afterwards. But then also, like, is this the last we've kind of heard of this? I have a hard time believing that we're going to know now that two more players were involved on some level and just go on and talk about basketball, no problem there. What's just sort of your general take on, on what is going on down there at Alabama? Yeah, it's it's really wild. I mean, to think that there haven't been any kind of suspensions, even you know, for a game or two. For I mean, I don't even I don't even know where you began on something like this. It's it's just so out of the ordinary, and and I, I certainly don't have all the information of, of what happened. But uh, you know, Nate Oates is a very smart guy. I've known him for a while since he was back at Buffalo. Uh, you know, for him to say what he said yesterday, I thought was, was so tone deaf. And I don't know, maybe he didn't have all the information when he was asked, but even then, you know, he probably knew more uh, than, than what he had indicated. And he, to his credit, he did come back later in the day and kind of corrected it. But but what he said originally was just, just really, really bad. And, and how someone down there 
whether it's the administration above him or, or him and his staff, is not issued some sort of discipline to Brandon Miller is is really, really wild to me. I, I, I can't fathom it. Yeah, I'm a little surprised uh, by that uh, as well. You mentioned uh, quickly Carolina. Yeah, Carolina and Duke, different kind of teams coming into the year, but now they're like they're fully in transition to their new head coaches. Mm-hmm. Duke with kind of the the in state coach K model. It's a really young team, but uber talented. Carolina brought all these people back. Neither one of them sort of have anywhere close to the years I think that maybe they were hoping for. Which one do you, do you think fans maybe ought to be a little bit more concerned about? Uh, for me, it's North Carolina because again, this is this is a trend. This is really a four-year trend. I mean, when, when Roy Williams retired, I mean, remember his last couple teams there weren't, weren't very good, um, and then that kind of continued, you know, all the way up until really right around this time last year with with uh, Carolina. I was looking at today. I think it was February nineteenth when they lost to Pittsburgh at home, and everybody, including myself, yeah. was saying they're out of the tournament. And so then they turned it on for six weeks. But you know, other than that, they gone back to being the same kind of mediocre team they are and uh you know a lot of it's the same guys have been around for two or three years so so maybe it's just this particular group of players and and there are some really good recruits coming in but uh you know it makes you wonder about hubert davis and his ability to, to motivate these guys because they don't seem to have any any chemistry and they certainly don't seem to play with a lot of fire i mean you saw if you saw the nc state game there was just some plays where you were just wondering what, what the heck are they doing out there so uh i think that's probably the, the the place to be more concerned you know i'm not too worried about duke at this point um you know they, they like i said a ton of young guys seven freshmen i don't think a lot of them are as talented as maybe they were they were ranked uh, i think this class was a little down uh because of guys who've been reclassified or you know gone to ote or g league or that sort of thing uh but uh you know there's, i don't see a lot of reason to worry about them just yet uh, last one before I let you go here, Brian. I'm just kind of curious what you think about uh, coaches. They start talking about how like they're always the victims of the the committee and all this sort of thing. Like they already start sort of beating that drum now. We've mm-hmm. seen several coaches already out there. I've never heard anybody do what Mick Cronin did though in saying that <laughs> that you know that leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten that they feel like that that's being held against them as a team being evaluated for, for the tournament and where their seating might be. Where do you think that that – I know you know, Mick. Uh, where does that come from uh-huh. that, that he would throw that out there as a possibility, knowing what the process of, of seeding a tournament really is? Well, the, the background on that um, is that the UCLA, UCLA athletic director was on the selection committee until uh, UCLA announced they were going to the Big Big Ten along with USC, and, and then he was replaced uh, with the Arizona athletic director. So, um, And then the, the committee comes out, and Arizona's ahead of UCLA uh, on the seed line, even though uh, UCLA has better metrics across the board uh, than UCLA. So I, I, I suppose at that point, Mick Cronin draws the line that uh, the Arizona athletic director is pulling strings in the committee room to, to get – what UCLA two spots behind there? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's not how the committee works. Uh, uh, people who are associated with a certain school have to leave the room whenever they're they're being debated. And the other thing is, I, you know, I do this every day. Uh, you know, it's bracketology, and you know, there was no question in my mind that Arizona was going to be ahead of UCLA uh, on the C line because they have way better wins and they beat UCLA in the in the in the one meeting between two schools. So for him to to make that conspiracy theory was was really really wild to me, especially when it, we're talking about just a couple of notches on the seed line and, you know, who gets the West region, who doesn't. But uh, I, I thought it was a huge leap. But, yeah, I've known Nick for a long time, and uh, I, I, I was so shocked to see him say that. Uh, I guess these guys are just, you know, they're, they're in their competitive mode, and they think it's always us against the world, you know, a lot of yeah. times uh, when you're in a locker room. But that, that, that was really ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, man, he's like – 
what do I got to do to sort of do this no one believes in us thing? I'll, I'll go uh, with this because every coach sort of seems to look for it. Brian uh, Bennett with The Athletic, thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoy uh, the best part of the season here coming up in the next couple of weeks, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Brian Bennett with uh, The Athletic, one of our longtime uh, favorites here. What about you, Dave? How worried would you be if, uh, answering that question in particular about Carolina? This is because I think you got to sort of talk yourself out of being worried about how they've looked all year because of what last year, how last yeah. year went. But man, the, the magic kind of turnaround ain't happening this year. No, it, it would. Everybody would look, and obviously the, the postseason matters so much. But if North Carolina doesn't go on that run last year, I mean, Huber Davis, he, his seat's probably hot at this point. Like they just, they're not going to wait that long with it. And I think that they're probably troubled with what they've seen this year. Um, they're not that far away from missing the tournament both years, you know, and, and they just happen to go on a, a great. You don't want to discount the run last year, but the trend probably shouldn't have. It d- doesn't change that much because of that run. And I said it. I don't even remember, like right before the season, I said I'm not right about a lot of stuff, so I like to highlight it when I am. But I said, does it feel like? we are extremely premature on this North Carolina hype because of one good run, like one good three-week period. You know, and, and one of the biggest reasons for that is gone. It feels like everybody's jumping on the North Carolina hype train a little early. Uh, and man, was I right about that. You know, I think a more cautious person would have looked at Carolina as, as, it, as it, and said, hey, it's possible they're not any good at all right? because last year that team reminded me in some ways in some ways of 2012 louisville where like they could beat anybody one way and they didn't get it they were going to lose and but you remove any one little piece from that and they're not nearly as effective and and I don't think it necessarily means that Brady Manick is like out of this world, like he's Larry Bird or something. He did have but, a hell of a run, though. <laughs> well, he did, but he, as a piece, made all of them better. And right. him being gone, they have not been able to come close uh, to replicating that. All right, our number one in the books. We're going to come back. We'll open up the phones. Jeff I have Greer. some thoughts on that conversation on the other side as well. Let's JCC as a whole. Jeff Greer at four thirty as well here on the drive on the end of the bill. Be right back. Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers.